Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is an entertainment podcast, and the research we do may come from semi-unreliable sources. Welcome to Research Rebuttal Podcast. It's a podcast where two stubborn friends prove each other wrong each week. One of us will be the researcher, and one of us will be the guesser. I'm Rachel Teichman, and this is Paige Dempster. Hello! And today, oh today, we're going to discuss phone booth stuffing and bedtime wolves. I'll be your researcher today, and Paige will be the guesser. Let's get rebutted. Hey Paige. Hi, Rachel. You know, uh, yesterday was Thanksgiving, you know, the mm-hmm. day that we're recording this. Mm-hmm, hmm And I don't know about you, but I ate stuffing. Okay, um, just a quick question. <laughs> yes. Now, I know we do these fun little segues to, like, you know, try to pull in the audience, but we, like, you know, we do announce the topics before we begin. What... In God's name is phone booth stuffing, and how are we going to fill, like, a half-hour slot with this? Well, we're gonna get into it. That's why it's the topic. Okay, take it away. I don't know about you, but I ate stuffing yesterday. So did I. And you know what else can be stuffed besides a turkey? Um, a car? What else? Um, a duck? Try one more. Could it possibly be, dare I ask, a phone booth? Dare you are right. Okay. Today we're talking about phone booth stuffing. Where did you find this? (laughs) To be honest, I have definitely heard of phone booth stuffing in my lifetime, but what brought it up this time is I have been watching Leave It to Beaver from start to finish the last few weeks. Oh, yeah, you like that show. It's not that I necessarily like it (laughs) as much as I am watching it start to finish right now. Okay. (laughs) And I, I don't know if you know this, but Leave It to Beaver was filmed in the late 1950s. And... There was a scene where Wally got in trouble for something, but it was nothing serious. And then they were like, oh, he just got caught phone booth stuffing. And I was like, excuse me? Like, there are a lot of times, at least once per episode, they say something that is so dated to that time that I'm like, what did you just say? And so that's where today's topic is inspired by. Oh, lovely. I sent you a picture. Yes, you did. Can you describe it for me? It appears to be... Oh, let me see if I can count these boys. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. At least nine, probably 20-something-year-old gentlemen shoving themselves into a telephone booth. 
with one man watching, no, two men watching and probably cheering them on. Uh, black and white photo. How do you feel about this photo? Makes me very confused. Okay. As to why this is a thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, why were why were kids eating Tide Pods? You know. Uh, yeah, touche. Mm. So, what is phone booth stuffing? It appears to be the 1950s best way of trying to replicate clowns shoving themselves into a car. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're right. It's it's where as many people as can fit get into a phone booth. <laughs> so stupid <laughs> oh, God. when was it popular well i assume since it was on leave it to beaver i'd say like between the 40s and the 50s yeah it became popular in 1959 it spread to the united states in 1959 um it basically started up and died all in the same year that's so funny wait so it wasn't it didn't start in the united states it did not and we'll oh. figure out where it did start momentarily. Okay. Where was it primarily happening? What kind of environment? Um, I'm gonna guess city because there's a lot of, there's a lot more phone booths in the city. Well, maybe, but this was pretty much going on on college campuses. Oh, <laughs> oh my god. It wasn't really happening too much outside of that. That's interesting. How did it become popular? Well, they didn't have TikTok in the 50s. Maybe the college boy, maybe like one set of college boys did it and the newspaper reported it. And I was like, hey, look at this. Jiffy knew. <laughs> That's my best 50s accent. That's my best transatlantic accent. 50s transatlantic <laughs> accent. I love it. <laughs> Look at this Jiffy New trend. And a bunch of college students from Bucknell University saw it. And they're like, oh, okay. And then they started doing it. And then it just started spreading from there. You're not super far off. It was basically 25 South African students got into a single phone booth in 1959 and sent a picture to the Guinness Book of World Records. <laughs> Did they put it in the book? I think so. And oh like, because of this, it like spread around. You're right to different news outlets. And then and then it left the continent and it was all over the place. Oh, my God. How did the rules vary from country to country, campus to campus? Oh, I'm sorry. There were rules? Yes. Oh. Hmm. Okay. Looking back at my reference picture, uh, no blondes. No shoes. Everyone must be wearing a white t-shirt. And it looks like everyone must be white. Well, um, you notice that they were all male in that photo. Uh-huh. That wasn't exactly a rule as much as most college campuses were men anyway. So that's what it ended up being. But the rules were, generally speaking... Uh, from place to place. Sometimes people had to be completely inside the phone booth, what, like 100% of their body. Some colleges allowed for limbs to stick out. And some required uh, that only more than half of the body be inside. Ah, okay. So it looks like this one isn't a full body in kind of deal. 
There's someone with their legs sticking out. Yeah, but for the most part, everybody's full body is in there. Mm, that's true. I'm only into like the most hardcore phone stuffing or whatever it's called. Phone booth stuffing. I could see that. What was phone booth stuffing called in England and what was their specific rule? Telebusting. And their one rule was that you must like the Beatles. They called it telephone booth squash. <laughs> uh-huh. And the rule was someone had to make a successful phone call when the booth was full. Oh, that's that's a good twist to it. I also like that squash is another Thanksgiving food, so it keeps the trend going. Yes. What were some of the strategies in, in general? It wasn't only in England. Um, fast before you go in there. I imagine if you have Thanksgiving gut, it's probably not going to be as easy. Cover yourself in oil so you can slip between people without any friction. Kind of like how you use lube when you're doing the dirty. The more flexible people go on the edges so that like they can contort more to like the shape of the phone booth. And wear stretchy clothing. You actually got one, right? Oh, what was it? So some students did, in fact, fast. Ah, yes. Otherwise, some students applied calculus and geometry to plan the fitting. Oh, boo. I don't know. I think that's a great idea. I mean, yeah, but I just don't like calculus or geometry. Me neither. Hmm. Others recruited small freshmen. <laughs> You're good for something. Get over here. Right? And <laughs> and some students cut class in order to participate. Honestly, I probably would cut class to watch this. What about to participate? I don't think I could. I don't think I can nor want to participate. Fair. So there was a scandal at one point. <laughs> can scandal? you guess what it was? Someone lied about the amount of people like in the phone booth. Is that your guess? Yeah. You're really close. (laughs) There were students at a school in Canada who claimed they fit 40 people, but it turned out that it wasn't a phone booth. It was a phone room, whatever that is. Those fiends. I think a phone room, like back in not ye old times, but like transatlantic times when like dial up was like still becoming a thing. Like, everything had to be directed to the phone. There was, like, entire rooms dedicated to, like, using the phone. So that was what it was. Interesting. I don't know if that's true. This isn't my episode. Yeah, I don't know if that's true either. (laughs) Maybe that'll be my next episode. (laughs) Yeah. When did phone booth stuffing die out? Uh, Probably, like, 1960, judging on what you said at the beginning of the episode. Yeah, by about 1960, it was pretty much a dead fad. That's so funny. (laughs) But there was a fad that came after this. Do you know what it was? Stuffing on public buses? Stuffing as many people as possible into a Volkswagen Beetle. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah, I love it. So you said you wouldn't participate in phone booth stuffing. I would. You could. You are tiny. You are, like, svelte. You could totally, like, be, like, one of the star players in phone booth stuffing. I feel like it would be really painful. Like, I might need to be the person who goes on top. You have a high pain tolerance. 
I do. <laughs> you could totally do it. But like, I don't know. I feel like I might be good for the person who like climbs all the people from the bottom like a cheerleading pyramid. No, you're good for like stuffing in the hard to reach places for the bigger people. I want to know how people would like breathe when they did this. Maybe they have to like drill small holes into the glass, even just like stuff your mouth up next to you and go. That could be. I hope that's how it goes. Here's a fun fact. Mm. This is a quote. In 1984, St. Mary's celebrated the 25th anniversary of the event with a reenactment with two booths to include women in the event. Oh, fun. Right. That's a very fun fact. Yeah. And now it's time for a word from our sponsors. Do you ever find yourself without a phone? Do you need to call your mom to let her know you'll be back for dinner? Then you need a phone booth. Just walk to the corner of the street, step in the booth, shove as many people as you can inside of there, put some coins in the phone, and dial. Call your mom. Let her know everything's okay. Don't worry about losing your phone when you can use the phone booth. Get 25 cents off your first call when you put in 25 cents. The phone booth. Brought to you by the American Citrus Council. Welcome back. Welcome back. Did you lose your phone and use the phone booth? No, my phone is sitting right next to me. I was checking Twitter while you were recording the recording the commercial. That wasn't very cash money of you. Yeah, but I don't know. I've seen you do it to me. <laughs> anyway. We're going to shift topics and talk about an animal. What kind of animal? Wolves. Oh, I love wolves. We're going to talk about why wolves are the royalty antagonists of children's books. Ah, oh, this is a topic that I put in. Yes. I'm very excited to know the reason. Well, what do you think the reason is? Why are wolves always the bad guy in children's books? Well, I guess because, like, I think a lot of these bedtime stories, quote-unquote, were probably written around the same time. And I know people didn't really like wolves that much in history because they would eat a bunch of, I think, the cattle or the sheep. So they were antagonized because they would just eat people's food and driven off. But then what that does is like nearly wipe out the entire population of wolves in America and then inflate the population of deer to the point where it's damaging the ecosystem. And then you have to artificially reintroduce wolves to Yellowstone in order to barely save what's left of the grasses of Wyoming. Great start. Thanks. Can you name as many children's stories as you can that have wolves? Well, okay. I think I can think of three off the top of my head little red riding hood the three the three pigs three little pigs the boy who cried wolf it's probably a couple of those aesop stories that have the wolf in them goldilocks and the three wolves i don't think that's no 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 this is my time oh uh, okay okay the wolf who cried human and that's it well, you got the first three. You got Little Red Riding Hood, The Three Little Pigs, and The Boy Who Cried Wolf. Those are all right. I also put down White Fang. Oh, never heard of that one. Wolf in the Snow. Never heard of that one. 
And the wolf and the seven little kids, sometimes called the wolf and the seven little goats. Huh. Okay. Describe the wolf as the bad guy archetype. I don't know. You know how, like, Bowser is in Mario? He's basically the Bowser of all of these stories. <laughs> Go just, on. Like, gener- just generically bad. Has never done a good deed in his life. Um, even if you paid him to do so. And it's just like, main goal is to hurt and or eat the protagonist. True or false, wolf characters are starting to turn into the good guy. I hope it's true. It is true. Yes. Do you know why? Because maybe everyone realizes that we shouldn't be attacking wolves because they keep the deer population down and therefore keep the ecosystem going in Wyoming or they're running out of grass because the white-tailed deer population is getting out of control because all the farmers wiped out all the wolves because they were attacking their cattle. But little did they know that the wolves were keeping down the white deer tail, white-tailed deer population and then all the grass was gone. <laughs> um, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I know about wolves. Yeah, you're right. They're endangered, so authors started to write them as the sympathetic or victimized character because they're endangered. What do wolves in children's stories symbolize? Um, like the old children's stories? Yeah. Satan? Human nature. Oh, okay. <laughs> We judge wolves with human morals instead of animal. Oh, okay. We kind of touched on this, but when and why were wolves studied? When and why were wolves studied? Okay. Um, like name name some years, like like decades. Definitely more recently. I want to say maybe like between the seventies and the nineties, because they noticed that the grass in Wyoming. <laughs> was disappearing they're like why is the grass in wyoming disappearing so then they they go look and like oh the wolves there's not enough wolves to curb all these white-tailed deer so we have to introduce more wolves for the white-tailed deer or else the grass in wyoming just ceased to exist so yeah i mean they were studied in the 1940s and 50s oh okay and studied them with the intention of eradicating them the best I was about to say a bad word. (laughs) But then wolves were found to not be as terrible as they once thought. Oh, they're they're good boys. They are. And prior to this time period, little was known about them. And so that's why they were misunderstood and therefore villainized. I feel like we as humans have to keep learning this lesson over and over and over again. That just because something or something is different than you, therefore it must be eradicated. Just because you don't understand something doesn't mean it doesn't it needs to die. We're talking to you, Hitler. Um, I don't think he can hear you. He can hear me. Okay. What's a common modern use of the wolf in children's literature? Um cavalier standalone cool guy, perhaps. A lot of times the child character in a book becomes a wolf in persona as a metaphor for releasing their inner beast, overcoming shyness, and or gaining strength and courage. I was about to say those seem kind of corny, but then I remember we're talking about children's books, so okay, that's fine. Yeah, but in fairy tales, who survives a wolf and who doesn't and why? Who survives a wolf? You mean yeah. like, a, like an attack? 
Yeah. Or um, an encounter. Oh. Well, obviously the protagonist will survive unless it's the boy who cried wolf, of course. Um, because they're the main character of the story and we need them. But and the antagonist, like the people who don't survive, I mean, are like all the stupid side characters. Kind of. It's the smart people who understand how wolves work. Those are the ones who survive. But apparently we didn't understand how wolves worked until the 1940s. Exactly. No one until 1940 survived a wolf encounter. Nope, never happened. All of them died. But those who are considered, quote, dumb, and it's often sheep or other funny animals, those are the ones who don't live. Is that why the phrase wake up sheeple has become a very common phrase as of recent? I th Yeah, I think it's because sheep tend to, like, follow. Yeah. Like, they cluster together. together and follow. I think that's where it comes from. Mm. It's not like a wolf can take... Well, I don't know if a wolf can take out an entire flock of sheep. Yeah, like, they're I think sheeple refers more to, like, conformity. Wear your masks. Please! Conform to wearing your mask. Not all conformity is bad. What are some common wolf traits in literature? Uh, my big teeth do you have? Uh, my big paws do you have? Um, um, ears, uh, bristliness, and and barking so loud that you knock down the good working man's house i like it let's add on to that quote threats entrapment falsehood flattery enticement disguise and or deceit and insatiable appetite mm, like which me on of, thanksgiving which of these traits do you identify with most insatiable appetite like me on thanksgiving I I identify more with insatiable appetite and flattery and disguise. Sometimes you just need a lot of turkey. That's true. Mashed potatoes and stuffing and cranberry All about sauce. that stuffing. Oh my god. Is your favorite stuffing too? My, my, mine is stuffing. I really can't pick a favorite to be honest. I love, really? all, I love all Thanksgiving foods. Not even the pies? Well... I mean, I I like all the Thanksgiving food. If you had to pick one, if a wolf had you against the wall with a gun to your head, which one would you pick? And we're including desserts in this? Yes. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, The wolf has you against the wall. He thinks you're a white-tailed deer and you're in Wyoming. Which are you going to pick to save yourself? I think either cranberry sauce or stuffing okay the wolf gets back onto all four legs and walks away he's pleased yeah. with your answers I'm so glad i'm so glad i'm smart instead of a dumb goat <laughs> instead of a sheeple except when i wear my mask then i'm a sheeple yeah well that about does it for this episode of research rebuttal podcast you can find us on social media on Twitter at Research Rebut and at Facebook and Instagram at Research Rebuttal Podcast. You can email us topic suggestions at researchrebuttalpodcast at gmail.com. Let us know on social media. Um, what is your favorite Thanksgiving food and 
have oh. you ever done phone booth stuffing? And what's your favorite like kid's book? Yeah, what's your favorite kid's book? Have you ever been eaten by a wolf? Let us know. Have you ever been to Wyoming? Have you ever stuffed some quarters into oh. a phone booth? Wyoming. Sponsor us. Wyoming, please sponsor us. And American Citrus Council, please sponsor us. We're waiting for you. We've been waiting for your response. We're so ready. Like, we're on the bed in, like, cute little lingerie waiting for you. We've been emailing you every night. Please answer our texts. Please answer my phone calls. Please. Okay, bye! Bye! Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.